This is the IDP After Show. Welcome to the IDP After Show. I'm your host, Jace Abbey, and I am buzzing tonight. The sun is shining over here in the UK, sort of, and, uh, you know, football's back, kind of. Um, anyway, I'm excited to be back on the after show, delivering the latest in what is an eight-part series where the young king, Evan Ronda, and I delve into the NFL division by division, discussing our top 10 IDPs with some of the best guests in the business. Today, I am excited to be joined by the very classy Jason Snyder to talk about the NFC West. Jason, welcome. Pleasure to have you on. Thanks. It's great to be here. Um, so I've been looking forward to this one. As we talked about briefly before the show started, we've been talking for you know some time on, on Twitter. Um, feels like this one's been a, a sort of a long time coming, right? Uh, absolutely. I've been looking forward to logging some FaceTime with you as well. So I'm, I'm excited to uh, be with you and to get into the uh, NFC West today. Sounds good. Sounds good. So I'm thinking about it. This is the uh, the second time I've had another Jason on the show. Um, it's, all, it's all part of my master plan to, uh, to take over fantasy with, uh, you know, I was going to do an impression of the Borg there for a bit. But I think I'll, I'll save myself the embarrassment. But yeah, um, we're taking over. That's the sounds way good be. to me. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's get straight into this. So Jason and I have agreed on uh, individual top 10 uh, favorite IDPs in the NFC West. And we're going to count down from 10 to 1, discussing each player and why we have them ranked where we do. Uh, we'll finish by touching briefly on the guys that almost made the list and rookies in the division will also get a mention. So, Jason, do you want to kick us off? Who do you have ranked at number 10 in the NFC West? All right, sure. I'd love to kick us off. So at number 10... Um, I have safety Talanoa Hufunga from the 49ers. Um, I, you know, just some, some brief notes on why I have him at 10. Um, you know, when he was drafted in 2021 in the fifth round by the Niners, he kind of had to work his way up. He, but he did begin to make like an immediate impression in camp. Um, he couldn't crack the starting lineup, but he had a consistent energy in camp. He had a work ethic that, you know, you could, could read the reports on Twitter and the, the reporters and the coaches were very impressed with him. And he parlayed that into a starting gig eventually last season. And once he got that job, you know, he took it and he did, He never looked back. Um, he finished just three shy, uh, three tackles shy of 100. Um, he also had five tackles for a loss. He had two sacks and he had four interceptions um, in his debut as a regular starter. Um, he's only 24 years old. So, you know, obviously I have a slant towards dynasty. That's the world that I come from. So everybody's obviously concerned with age there. And then, so he's got all the hallmarks, hallmarks, excuse me, of, a, of like a blossoming star, I would say. Um, he's training in the offseason with uh, Troy Palomalu, which can never be a bad thing. And, you know, to me, all of the components just add up to make you think that the sky's the limit for this kid. And, and he's probably a future stud at safety. So that's pretty cool. I didn't know he was training with uh, with Palomalu. Obviously, I've heard the, the comparisons, obviously the crazy hair and whatnot. Right. That's, uh, that's got to be quite a sight, two guys with so much... I don't know, intensity and energy and hair time. Yeah. And just, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm jealous. Uh, yeah. You know, I've gotten, I've got none. So uh, yeah. yeah, I kind of watch, watch enviously, but yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you, you, you nailed it. I, mm -hmm. and as you know, I kind of had, uh, I flip-flopped on my number 10 position. I, sure. uh, I had Hufanga in there for mm -hmm. a time. And the reason I dropped him out was because uh, he, he kind of 
tailed off a little bit towards the mm. end of the season. So he started red hot. He was he was on fire, wasn't he, for the first yeah. first half of the year? But he kind of he kind of tailed off a little bit. Um, and that's it happens. Safety is you know it's it's a DB. Sorry, is is volatile. Um, mm-hmm. Players come and go. But yeah, that that kind of that kind of mm, g- gave me enough concern to to drop him slightly. Um, in fairness, one of about three, four guys could have been in my number ten spot. It's it's sure. pretty interchangeable. But yeah, I like I like the choice. Mm-hmm. So uh, as I said, I, I I couldn't make my mind up about my number ten. Um, as I say, three, four guys in that position could 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 have made a lot of sense. But in the end, I went with uh, Kaiser Kaiser White. Um, mm-hmm. And as you as you know, um, you know, being a, a, an Eagles fan, um, he he can he can serve a role. I, the linebacker situation for the Cards was, and you know, arguably still is, a bit murky. Um, we're starting to see some glimpses of of how this may play out. Initially, I wasn't really buying into the talk of the the Zaven Collins uh, playing on the the edge uh, idea. And while it looks more more likely that that will happen, based on what we're sort of seeing and hearing, I still very much doubt that'll be a, a full time switch. You know, we're not not talking about a guy who has rushed the passer you know, a heap of times. It was, it's not like a Hassan Reddick situation. Mm-hmm. Um, Collins has rushed the pass only 19 times in the last two years. He's not suddenly going to do so, you know, three, 400 times a season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, no Simmons isn't the answer um, based on what we've already seen. He's playing in the nickel uh, DB role and I think he's probably a good shout to continue to do that. So kind of by sort of process of elimination, I think, it looks increasingly likely that White's going to be that guy lining up in that in that single, hopefully full time off ball linebacker role. So the news of the green dot was encouraging. Um, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, you know, Gannon himself said it's something they're going to kind of review day to day. But my the way I think about this is that you don't you don't even try him out in that situation unless you're really liking what you're seeing and intending on involving him a lot. Um, so yeah. Talked about you being an Eagles fan, as a Chargers fan. I, I I really struggled with. I was disappointed when White left to sign uh-huh. with the Eagles for so little. We struggled to find any consistency at that position for years, and White became a you know I wouldn't say he was outstanding, but he was reliable mm-hmm. uh, in that position. And I think he performed a similar role for the Eagles. He wasn't amazing, but he was reliable. Um, racked up 250 tackles in the last two years. I think he can do uh, a perform a similar role for the Cards. Um, you know, with all that said, it is a moving, a moving situation when you kind of need to, to keep an eye on this and see how this unfolds over the next four weeks, maybe into the early part of the season. That's where my head's at. That's why I went with white and number 10. What's your thoughts on him? I would, I would agree with your assessment there. I mean, uh, you know, you did mention my Eagles fandom and I, I think that was the role that he served with the Eagles. Uh, I also think he followed Gannon probably to Arizona with the promise of, we've got a role for you here. He's, he's familiar with the scheme. He knows his fit in that scheme. And, you know, as Gannon, as a first time head coach, you know, especially with him now having the green dot, you want that guy to be somebody that's familiar and kind of quarterback your defense out there. And so even if you want to discount maybe some of his athletic skills or his attributes, just from a comfortability standpoint, I think the coach is knows that that position is square and when it comes to calling plays and, you know, and orchestrating the defense, he's got a lot more comfort and trust in, in white than maybe some of the other guys on that roster. So I would say he's definitely got 
a leg up on on the competition in terms of winning that job out of camp. And as you know, when it comes to linebackers in IDP, you don't have to be, you know, uh, Luke Keekley to be productive. If you got that starting gig and you're a full-time linebacker, you're going to produce. And, and I think White fits that description quite well. Yeah, yeah. My, it took me a while to get on board with it, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm definitely turning, turning around to that sort of way of thinking. So, yep. um, yeah, good, good insight. Who's your number nine? All right, at number nine, I have uh, a familiar face. We were just talking about the Eagles. I have J- Javon Hargrave, uh, defensive tackle from from the Niners. Um, he's a relative. He's a new addition to the NFC West. He's Hafunga's teammate, who I just mentioned. Um, he's particularly useful in. Uh, DT required leagues, um, but he's he can wreak havoc from the interior. I've seen it, you know, firsthand as an Eagles fan. Um, he's off. He was often overshadowed by that star-studded cast, you know, in Philly. Um, but he quietly put up some pretty uh, impressive numbers. He averaged seven point seven sacks and eight tackles for loss over his three seasons as an Eagle, which from the interior is pretty significant. Um, I think you know he saved his best for the 2022's contract year where he posted career highs. He had 11 sacks and he had 10 tackles for a loss along with 18 pressures and 16 quarterback hits. So those are numbers that like you'd be happy with from an edge rusher, let alone an interior rusher. Um, Now he is 30 years old. So you have to kind of be cautious about um, your long-term expectations. But if you're a win now team and you, and you want to try to contend in 2023, I think he's a very valuable piece, especially like I said, in a DT required format, um, and he's going to be right in the heart of that potent Niners defense. So that's for, for those reasons, I have Hargrave coming in at number nine on my list. Yeah, yeah, good choice. I, I have Hargrave on my list. Um, he's 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 not at my number nine spot. But yeah, he's he's one of those guys. I've kind of been following him for a little while now, uh, at least sort of four, four seasons maybe. Um, I liked his pressure rate in what I think was probably 2019. Um and kind of just cottoned on to the idea that he's one of those guys, bit of a late bloomer maybe, DT can be that way, mm-hmm. who's just got better and better pretty much every year. Um, and yeah, it's, who doesn't who doesn't want to see that? Now he's ca- kind of capitalized on that success, mm-hmm. signing that massive contract with the 49ers and essentially moving from one of the best defensive lines in the NFL to one of the best defensive lines in the <laughs> right. NFL. Yeah. So. You yeah. know, he should have every chance to to succeed. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I like the pick. Uh, I'll talk about him more um, a little later. Um, but, yeah, um, good, good choice, good choice. And, yeah, you've got the insight, you know, as a as an Eagles fan. So mm-hmm. I like I like, like to see what you've got there. So, yeah. Number nine for me, I've gone with uh, Buddha Baker. So he's one of sort of very few safeties I feel comfortable saying is in that that top tier at the position beyond which I think it's just a really flat, a really flat, uh, a really flat tier of guys. So he's that rare example of a guy who is, is being top 10 or extremely close to it for what seems like a number of sort of consecutive years now. Um, I mean, look, he's, he's not the type of guy who's going to, uh, you know, notch five interceptions per, per year in the mold of like a, uh, you know, Kevin Bayard or, or Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, so if those guys dominate scoring in, in, in our listeners' leagues, uh, in your in your league scoring format, then, you know, maybe Baker isn't quite quite up there. But uh, what he does give you is a, a low floor at a position that struggles with low floor types, right? He'll play every down. He'll play a healthy amount of his snaps near the line of scrimmage. And as a result, he'll provide sort of solid tackle volume, Um he surpassed 100 combined tackles in four out of the last five years, 
and he came within a whisker of doing so in his one other year as a full-time starter. I think, uh, you know, for a guy who's played under four different defensive coordinators in the last six years, he's been surprisingly consistent. Um, so, yeah, the word safe doesn't, you know, doesn't get you too excited in, in fantasy. Um, but this, as I said before, is a volatile position. So in this case, it's it's intended as a as a as a as a compliment. So uh yeah, Baker's my number nine. Feel quite bullish about this one. Definitely wanted to include him somewhere. It was just a question of, of where I ranked him. Um interesting fact on on Baker. Didn't know this actually until doing some research for this show, but his mum gave him the uh, the nickname Buddha. I thought it was actually his name, uh, but his mum gave him the nickname Buddha because she thought he looked like a Buddha as a baby. Um, so, yeah, what's your thoughts, Jason? Do you think he looks like a Buddha? And do you like him as a player in IDP? Well, I didn't know him as a baby, but I know him as a full-grown adult, and I, I quite like him for IDP. In fact, I have him ranked higher even so on my list, so I can't wait to tell you why I have him higher on my list, but I very much agree with your, your analysis there, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. So number eight. Right. So for me at number eight, I have uh, linebacker Ernest Jones from the Rams. Um, I would say kind of the time is now for him. Um, he was a darling of IDP enthusiasts uh, and he saw some sporadic time as a rookie and he showed some real flashes of promise. And then last year, everybody kind of thought he was going to ascend into that starting role. And the Rams kind of surprised everyone uh, fresh off their Super Bowl in 2021 by signing uh Bobby Wagner to, to man the middle there. So that kind of relegated Jones to kind of a secondary contributor um, through some cold water on the promise that, that Jones was going to assume that major role. Um, and then despite Wagner claiming that prime role, um, Jones still managed to collect 114 uh, combined tackles and appeared in all 17 games for the Rams um, with Wagner's kind of sent back packing to the, to the Seahawks this off season. Um, Jones is now going to inherit that, pinnacle leadership role and, and you know frankly i'm kind of here for it um fresh off of being mentored by you know wagner who's perhaps one of the best if not the best linebackers in the game um and he's bursting with potential now jones kind of stands to rack up those snaps and consequently the tackles and the production in, in 2023 so um i think he's an ascending player he's a young player and he's somebody that i would be excited to have on my roster yeah Good choice. I'm uh, I'm interested to see who's who's lower on your list. Uh, there's a bunch of linebackers I was kind of toying with in terms of where I would rank them relative to each other and to other people on the list. And uh, okay. I've I've got him a little lower. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, agree with your assessment there. He's uh, you know the time is now, as you as mm -hmm. you put it. Um, he's he's ready to step into that that sort of full time role. He's one of only you know he's one of only a couple of guys that that most people would probably be able to name on that. Uh, Rams defense mm -hmm. I think um you know it's it's looking pretty pretty empty over there and uh, you know Jones is going to be a busy <laughs> he's going to be a busy boy yeah. um but yeah I mean he was you know crazy efficient I'll talk about it more in detail later on but he was crazy efficient last year tackle tackling efficiency despite the number of snaps he had as you said 114 uh, tackles despite only playing sort of 723 snaps sort of three mm -hmm. quarters if you like of a, of a sort of a full-time uh off, off ball linebacker maybe slightly less um, but still, um, still delivered. So even if that efficiency drops off slightly, um, he's, he's still going to dwarf these numbers from last year, um, yep. assuming health. So yeah, there's a lot to like about Jones. Yep, agreed. Mm -hmm. So number eight for me was Uchenna and Wosu. So uh, yeah, I've got to admit it. I was a, I was a non-believer this time. This time last year, he kind of toiled for for four years at uh, the Chargers. There's, 
mediocre is probably a bit harsh. Uh, a fairly average uh, player, if you like. Uh, never really showed me enough to warrant a change, in my opinion, or to think that he could go on to deliver a sort of double-digit sack season. Um, you know, enter enter 2022, and he was he was far more productive. Um, you know, he wasn't quite as impressive in the second half of the year, but you know, 61 pressures, uh, 10 sacks. We we can't sniff at that, right? Um, I heard the guys on the uh, the IDP show question why the Chargers let him go. You know, we could ask why he demonstrated improvement in a new scheme, but the answer, I guess, we we really need to know is, as with all guys who take a leap in production, um, is can he keep it? Can he keep it going? Um, now, I I kind of realize I'm opening myself up to being wrong on Nwosu twice, but closer investigation suggests there is there is a reason to, to sort of pump the brakes a little bit. Um, I don't know how much uh, our listeners or, or you, Jason, read into uh, win rates and, and sort of how players perform in true pass rush sets. So, you know, discounting all of the noisy plays, RPOs, screens, that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. I was I was slightly concerned to see that Nwosu's 11.9% win rate in those situations was as low as it, as low as it is. Um, you know, he ranks something like, 90 something i can't remember the, the exact number i should have had it in front of me but 90 something in that in that at his position in that particular category and this is a category that's dominated by the elite players at the position so you know the parsons the garrett's gary is up there as well um mm-hmm. so yeah I'm a, I'm a little concerned with that um with that said he's going as the edge 17 in the idp show best ball drafts uh one spot behind josh allen who incidentally finished with a 19.7% win rate in mm. those situations. So, you know, uh, I think his placement in those uh, in those drafts is about right um, in terms of how he compares relative to other edge rushers. But I'm, I'm not all in yet. I don't think he's the, uh, the finished article, certainly. And for that reason, I'm kind of passing over him in drafts. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess, is a good way of putting it. What do yeah. you think? I think uh, I think my assessment is pretty similar to yours. He actually didn't make my list at all, um, and probably for all the same reasons that you just uh, enumerated. I, I'm uh, I, I am kind of intrigued by him. Um, he had a high draft pedigree coming out, if I recall, and as you said, he kind of fizzled in San Diego slash Los Angeles for for his rookie contract and a kind of had written him off essentially. And when he signed with Seattle, I didn't really think much of it. Um, but as you said, you can't dismiss his productivity last year. Um, now, is it a scheme thing? Is it, it's hard to say, it's hard to put your finger on why in somebody's fifth year, did they suddenly break out? And I guess my bigger concern is, is that sustainable? Is that something that we can expect him to repeat this season? Or is he going to go back to being, what we saw out of him for the first, you know, four out of the five years of his career. Um, I tend to think it's the the latter of those two options, which is why I'm probably not as bullish on him, but you certainly, you know, if you dismiss him at, <laughs> outright, you're doing so probably at your own peril. You kind of need to pay attention to these guys that, because sometimes just frankly, there's been many cases in the league with a change in scenery like that, where, players just blossom and be, you know, and find themselves. And, and he, and that might be the case with him, but um, I haven't seen enough of it yet, I guess, to trust that that's the case with, with Enwosu. So I, I left, left him off my list, but I am intrigued with him, as I said. 
Yeah, you I mean you're absolutely right. You know, we've seen players uh, for some reason. Whenever we talk about players who have blossomed when they move scheme, Devondre Campbell always comes to mind for me. Yep. Uh, always productive uh, previously, mm-hmm. but never played at the level that he's playing at uh, now. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, but yeah, we we see it all the time. And I'm not saying you know when Wosu can't can't record ten sacks again uh, this year. I mean, right. Did he did he get a massive deal recently? Am I imagining I- that? I think you're correct. I think he got a big like three year extension or something because I think he yeah. was signed on like a one or two year deal with Seattle initially, and then after his big year last year, they felt compelled to to reward him for that. Yeah, um, I mean that, that's it, a it, that's a positive sign, and it's a team that was they were just famous for rotating that edge players at that edge position. Yep. Um for for ages, Daryl Taylor, um, one of those guys that I never draft in. Uh, right. non-best ball, but uh, right. I love having in, in best ball because he, yep. he'll, he'll put up five to eight sacks a year, but he'll only play sort of 500, 600 snaps. Um, but yeah, I expected Unwosu to kind of fit into that rotation, but I remember looking at the snap share towards the back end of last year and Unwosu was the exception to that rule, really. So yeah. they, cl- they clearly really like him. Volume's king, mm-hmm. you know. Um, he doesn't I think necessarily probably... have to be an elite pass rusher as long as he's still playing a lot, rushing the right. passer a lot, you know. Fair. And and also, like like you just said, with Seattle being so desperate for pass rush, um, I'm sure that they were clamoring to give him that extension because they haven't seen it out of really anyone there for, for quite some time. So when they even have some signs of life, they're thinking, we're not letting this guy walk. You know, we're going to make sure we lock this guy down because he's putting pressure on the quarterback, which, as you know, is is critical in today's game. You know, if you're if you're not rushing a quarterback, you're, you're not winning many games. That's right. You know, it's one of those premium premium positions. So you've got mm-hmm. a lot of those guys down, haven't you? Yeah. Um, so enough and Wosu talk. Who have you got at seven? So at seven, this is where we come to our, our mutual friend, Buda Baker, for me. Um, I, I have him as, as one of, if not the most talented defensive backs for IDP in, in the modern game. I know people are going to say Derwin James, and, and, and you know, he certainly has merits as the number one. But uh, my ranking, I, I would have had him even higher i think but you know at seven people say well if you love him so much why is he seven and i think that's more reflective of my personal bias in terms of individual uh, position versus his talent you know i don't generally rank defensive backs very very highly because i kind of think of them as uh somewhat dime a dozen you know there's guys that stand out like baker and james and they will give you a positional advantage but generally speaking you can probably find a a serviceable defensive back on your on your waiver wire but i don't think you're going to find a serviceable edge rusher or linebacker in that same uh, category totally so, agree yeah um but i mean if you look at his numbers he's average not not you know a single season but average 108 tackles per season over a six-year career now for a defensive back to average over 100 tackles a season is it's pretty impressive um he's a tackling machine he mans the box safety uh, position which you spoke about earlier and that's gold for idp fantasy um there's some question regarding his kind of commitment to the cardinals earlier in the offseason he kind of balked and said i want bigger money and i want my contract redone and but uh you know i think those things are behind him they kind of re- restructured his deal to to his satisfaction he's been in camp he's been healthy which you know last year he had an injury and there wasn't some uncertainty as to whether he was going to be ready for the start of camp and that seems to be resolved and so I just look for him to continue his excellence, you know, this season and beyond. He's the type of guy, just as you said, when you you gave your overview, you plug him into your lineup and you're guaranteed tackles, you're guaranteed productivity, and you don't have to worry about that defensive back slot. He's just he's just reliable and dependable. And to me, 
that's an often overlooked but very valuable thing when you're playing fantasy. A guy that you can just plug in and not have to worry about the volatility. And is he going to be, you know, two points this week? Is he going to be 15 points this week? He's a steady 10 to 12 point guy that you can just plug in there and, and not question. So for that reason, I, I, I like him quite a bit and I have him ranked as number seven. I like it. I like it. I'm going to forgive you your your slight on on my man Derwin James, who uh, who's <laughs> who is at, he's my favorite player in the NFL. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I'm not uh, taking as, anything as, away from Derwin James. Trust too, me, it's I mean, too late. I, I it's too him. late. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, I, fair uh, enough. I, I I agree with everything you said about uh, uh-huh. about Baker there. Um, you know, hell of a player. I, I yeah, just just so reliable. Do you find I have a similar approach to you in terms of how I approach uh, the the DB position in mm-hmm. in IDP, and for that reason, I tend to miss on certainly in in redraft miss on James uh-huh. and Baker, and uh, yeah, can't really think of any others I put in that same tier. Really, um, right. do you find because of your approach that you tend to miss on these guys too? Um, so what? <laughs> I'm not trying to blow my own horn, but the, the only rosters that I really have those guys on are rosters where I've drafted them as rookies in a dynasty format. So I nice. kind of did my scouting and I, I grabbed those guys before they were household names. But yeah, if we're doing a startup now, I very rarely will land a guy like that because I'm going to opt for even a mid-tier linebacker or, de- or, or edge rusher over your top-tier defensive backs because I just feel like I said in, when I did my overview there, I could probably get somebody later in the draft or even after the draft is concluded that they're not going to be Buda Baker or Derwin James, but you know, if they're within a couple points of those guys, I feel like the drop off is so much greater at the other positions. So yeah, I very, to my, to my chagrin, I very rarely end up with those top tier safeties because I'm usually my, my attention is uh, as elsewhere. when we're, when we're doing a startup. Yeah, I'm with you, with you on that. I, I did draft one earlier than I normally would do. It's only in the middle rounds of a, uh, a sort of a, a deep draft recently. I took Julian Love, um, mm. but uh, yeah, I, yeah, I kind of regret it when I started looking <laughs> at some of the other players that were around. And it's 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 a rarity for me to take a to DB very highly at all. But uh, yeah, I like yeah, likewise. Pick. I mm. also, you know, this is my disclaimer, which you have to. I think it's. Uh, mandated by international law when you talk about idp you need to know your scoring settings <laughs> i'm yep. going to preach that it's something i tell people all the time that it may be kind of novice and, and just getting into idp i don't want to roundly say discount defensive backs and, and go for the other positions because generally that's true but you could get into a, a scoring format where the defensive backs are valued much higher and mm-hmm. then in that case you want to make sure you get one or maybe even two of those guys at, at the peril of maybe some of the other positions, because, you know, we, we talk about the generic format, I think when we're t- discussing on a pod like this, but there are leagues where like, you know, inter- an interception is, you know, an astronomical amount or, you know, tackles from a defensive back position. It's, it's premiumized where it's, it's worth more. And if you're in that kind of a league, those guys are guys that you want to prioritize. So don't, don't just automatically say, well, I heard on this podcast that de- defensive backs aren't worth anything. It, it's really, individualized and, and unique to your scoring format. So make sure you research that and know know what you're dealing with before you, you take that advice. Absolutely. You know, that's the that's 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 great advice. And to that point, uh my number seven is Javon Hargrave. And I may not have had him ranked as highly if I didn't assume, you know, this does come with a caveat that you're playing in a DT required league. With that said, I, I also took him in that same draft that I mentioned a moment ago with uh, Julian Love. And I took him in that sort of middle tier, if I remember rightly, of uh, it was in a sleeper. So we're talking three position, uh, DL position. Um, 
uh, combining DTs and edge guys. I took him over a bunch of other sort of mid-tier edge twos, maybe edge, end of tier two edge rushers, because as you mentioned earlier on, his 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 stats, at least with the Eagles, are sort of very similar to what you kind of expect from a really good sort of solid edge two, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's going to get a bunch of tackles, um, you know, a really solid amount of tackles or a reasonable amount of tackles, I should say. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a danger to post double digit sacks. And I couldn't, as I was looking around the draft board, there was nobody else I could really, I could really say with any certainty could do the same thing. So yeah, it's a, it's a pick that I kind of eh, um and over, but kind of, yeah, talked myself into after I'd already made the pick, mm-hmm. um, really liked it. So yeah. We've already we've already touched on Hargrave earlier on. You had him a little a little higher on your a little lower if you like on your list. Um, but I think we're we're in sync on on him as a player. Um, the only thing I would say is it's worth noting that it's a, he had over seven hundred snaps in each of the last two years, and interestingly, no 49ers interior defensive lineman had more than five hundred snaps last year. Uh, it doesn't concern me. I'm mentioning it just for just for the sake of completeness, but it doesn't concern me. There's a new DC in town start with and more importantly teams teams don't shell out four years 84 million dollars and 40 million guaranteed unless they intend to use that player a lot mm-hmm. um so yeah as i alluded to earlier when i can't I, I just can't wait to see what what hargrave can do uh in another uh dominant defensive line he gives them that sort of that interior presence that they they've kind of lacked i think um they kind of drafted javon kinlaw with the idea that he could become that he hasn't yet is looking unlikely to ever become that. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you know, this was a D line that kind of suffocated QBs at times last year. It's scary to think how good they could be with Hargrave in the mix. Um, were you were you uh, were you sorry to see him go as a, as an Eagles fan, or was the the the, the Carter Jalen Carter selection did that kind of soften the blow a little bit? So I was sorry. I was obviously sorry to see him go. I mean, you lose that kind of production out of your defensive line. It's it's gonna you're gonna feel it. Um, that said, you know, we kind of talked in the pre-show a little bit about the dominance of the Eagles line and how they continue to invest there. And it wasn't as though it was going to be a, a gap in like a picket fence where, oh, now we have a huge hole because there's always a guy kind of waiting in the wings. So even before the Eagles drafted Carter, I was kind of like, OK with it. I I, I think I, su- I suppose I expected to, to lose him just because of how productive he was. I knew he was going to want a big contract and the Eagles just didn't have the cap space to to accommodate that. So I expected to lose him. Um, but when they replaced him with Carter in the draft, it was kind of like, well, okay, this, <laughs> the, the rich get richer kind of a thing, you know, you know, we, we have this great line and now we're going to, we're going to throw Jalen Carter in there. Who's perhaps the best defensive line prospect in the draft. Um, and I was going to add too, you know, you mentioned Kinlaw with the Niners. Um, that's one thing I, I think the Eagles kind of have excelled at, which is they always have a guy or two in a mentorship role. And so when these younger guys come in, they have someone to kind of observe and watch and learn what it means to be a pro and, and adapt to the defense in the scheme that they're in. And I think Kinlaw kind of suffered because he was drafted and then thrown into the middle of that line and without any real example to follow and say, okay, I'm going to emulate this guy or I'm going this is the guy I'm going to watch at practice. So perhaps the signing of Hargrave there kind of gives him that role model or that that benchmark that he can shoot for. And, and it may have kind of cascading benefits to, to other players rather than just the addition of Hargrave. I think, you know, his presence may kind of be felt um, tertiary to, to just the, his play on the field. He may kind of impact some of those other younger players around him, even like a, 
Eric Armstead and guys like that, where they can kind of say, oh, okay, this guy's been productive in the league. He's just signed a big deal. I want, I want that. So I want to follow and, you know, replicate what he's done. So I think there's, there's an aspect of that, that kind of gets overshadowed or doesn't get talked about as much, but I think is very real in terms of NFL football sense. Yes. Yeah, so it's an interesting point. It can't, can't be a bad thing for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd, yeah. Oh, great. I'm really happy with him as my number seven on this list. And I kind of wanted to have him higher. You know, if it, we were talking DT required leagues, um, then, then yeah, maybe I'd have him a little higher. I might struggle, uh, but yeah, we, I just kind of a, a side point, but we, we kind of seem to be spoiled really with interior defensive linemen at the moment. It seemed like such, it still is actually such a shallow position, but there are sort of five, six, maybe seven guys mm-hmm. at the moment who really standing out and kind yep. of, bucking that trend you know for for a time it was donald and then everyone else and now it just seems to be you know there's there's a there's a we're kind of spoiled for choice there Mm -hmm. um but yeah without further ado uh i think we're at number six now who have you got six okay at six i have uh, another linebacker you'll probably kind of start to see a trend here (laughs) but i have dre greenlaw out of uh san francisco um he kind of had an injury plague 2021 he seemed to kind of fall off the map i guess for many in the idp community um, last offseason, you you could get him for like LB4 prices. Um, and he was kind of viewed as a, you know, I'll take a shot flyer type of guy. But nobody really expected a lot out of him just because he had the injuries and he wasn't really productive. Um, then 2022 happened. Um, he returned to the Niners front with a vengeance. He had 127 tackles, six deflections, two fumble recoveries. Um, and he kind of cemented himself in that Niners front seven. Um and he and and that sent his prices kind of soaring, I think, in fantasy, and maybe rightfully so. Um, I don't think that 2022 was uh, by any means a fluke. It's funny because we just talked about Enwosu, and I I said you know I want to see it over the long term, so maybe I'm a bit of a hypocrite. But I feel like I've seen enough flashes from Greenlaw in the past that I can feel comfortable that last year wasn't a fluke. I think it's more repeatable and more reliable um, than perhaps Enwosu's success has been in Seattle. Um, I do think Greenlaw is going to be like really firmly entrenched as a high end, like linebacker two for, for the years to come. And uh, for that reason, that's where I have him at number six. Yeah. Um, I also have, I also have Greenlaw at, uh, at six. Um, okay. And yeah, echo, echo a lot of what you said there, you know, it feels like he's, and yeah, if we're comparing him to when Rose, the difference there is it feels like Greenlaw's been solid and it feels like he's been in the league a lot longer than he has, but it feels like he's mm-hmm. been solid since he entered the league. Um, but just last year was we saw that we saw that real jump. Obviously, he had that uh, that year he he, he largely missed um, in twenty twenty one when Al Shair kind of filled filled his boots for a time there. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, this last year he kind of really truly established himself for me as as one of those one of those really uh, really reliable uh, really reliable off ball linebackers. Put up something like 130, 135 combined tackles despite missing a couple of games as well. Um, mm. You know, of course, it helped that he played 100, 150 snaps more than he had in the first few years in the league. Uh, but there's more to his sort of ascendancy than just increased snap volume. I thought he played really well in uh, in facets that he hadn't, or in aspects that he hadn't really excelled in before, like like in coverage. And and coming back to your point there earlier about how uh, Hargrave might be able to mentor someone like a. Um, a Kinlaw, um, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, maybe maybe Greenlaw's been learned from you know one of the best coverage linebackers in the league in Fred Warner uh, mm-hmm. in that sense. But but yeah, he really he really played well in that in that role. So 
Al Shair wasn't really much of a thorn in his side last year. Um, but he did steal a couple of snaps or a handful of snaps here and there uh, when he was healthy. This is uh, Al Shair. Um, but he's now obviously moved on. So, you know, that's a plus. Um, and, you know, just as we know, it's, it's becoming sort of increasingly rare to, 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 to find uh, a, a full-time off-ball linebacker in fantasy. Um, and uh, it's actually really bizarre to find two full-time uh, off-ball linebackers on the same team. Right. Um, but yeah, so there is that kind of concern for me with the arrival of a new DC, slight concern that they might not do so at, the, at such a high rate going forward. But I think I think Greenlaw is just too good to take off the field now. Um, and teams typically do that because they haven't got two linebackers that excel in coverage, and that's just not the case here. So right. yeah, I'm very much on board with, uh, with Greenlaw uh, at number six. Great. So number five, what you got? Oh, number five, I have his his tandem mate, a guy we just talked about, Fred Warner, um, from the also from the Niners, obviously. Um, so I'm kind of of two minds, as I think you'll hear when I give my explanation on Fred Warner. Um, he's a guy that gets a lot of headlines, and you might have expected him to be even higher, consequently, on my list. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, I think he's a stud linebacker in the league, and you'd really be lucky to have him on your roster. That's why I have him at five. Um, he's got 120, he's averaged 127 tackles a season over his five year career. And he, he, interestingly enough, has never missed a start, which, you know, availability is also wow. pretty critical for, for, for dynasty. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised to see it as well, especially at a position like linebacker where, you know, you take your, your beat, your beatings and your, and your bruises quite, quite often. So, um, now I said all that and those are all his accolades. Now here's where I get into where I have some concerns. He's never ranked higher than the 10th most productive tackler, and he's routinely ranked as a top-tier linebacker. Um, last year, he finished behind guys like Cody Barton and Shaq Thompson in terms of tackle numbers. Um, and those aren't, it's not a slight on those guys, but for a guy that's being taken usually in the top five of the linebackers, I'd expect a little bit more you know, out of him. I think he's a solid floor play. I, I don't know that he has the upside that maybe many people would want to attribute to him you know i think he's productive but i don't think he's going to give you 150 tackles at, at any point he's not going to you know blow blow your mind and probably part of that is because of the guy that we just mentioned previously which is dre greenlaw is also very productive and so they kind of cannibalize each other a little bit in terms of their their combined productivity um i think he frankly for dynasty i i, I would kind of advise people to move him now while his value is probably at, like at all time high um and cap kind of capitalize on that name recognition before people kind of get wise to the fact that hey this guy's not finishing higher than 10th you know in tackles he he's very good i think it's funny it's it's one of those uh better in the nfl than than he is for for fantasy kind of situations where yeah, you mentioned his coverage ability he's locked down he's no question one of the best if not the best coverage linebackers but that doesn't do you a, a whole lot in terms of fantasy production, he's not a run stuffer. He's that's not his game. Um, he's very good at what he does, but he gets, you know, he's in the publicity photos all the time and people that are kind of tertiary or on the outside of fringes of IDP go, I know that guy. I, I want him on my team. I just don't know that his hype kind of matches what he does for your, for your lineup. So I like him a lot. I have him at five for that reason. You know, he's kind of right in that middle of my top 10. He's not higher than five, but he's not lower than five because I respect what he can do for your team. It's just I don't think he's in that upper echelon. Yeah, you've you've hit the nail on the head. That's that's pretty much uh, everything that I had in my notes on Warner. And crucially, uh, the point you made about how he's, his value to 
his his NFL team is 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 worth more than his value to your fantasy team. It's just mm-hmm. he's excellent, excellent player. I think I think Levante David is the only other linebacker who's challenging Warner for his coverage abilities mm-hmm. at the position. But yeah, just never he's never quite broken through into that you know uh, really reliable top tier of of uh, fantasy linebackers, and for that reason. Yeah, he's in the middle actually of a tier uh, a tier of linebackers for me, all of whom are interchangeable. I used to. There's a lot of comparisons made between Warner and, and Greenlaw. Um, it's inevitable; both play in the same position on the right. same team, right? But and I used to think, you know, that's slightly bizarre to me. I think like Greenlaw's more efficient. His tackling efficiency was usually a little bit better than than Warner's, and for that reason, I could understand why some fantasy fantasy managers might might view Greenlaw as being a better player, but I always saw Warner as being a far better player. But yeah, the the, the gap is, is is narrowed in the NFL mm-hmm. and in fantasy. Yeah, it's 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 almost negligible for me, really, between the two guys. Um mm-hmm. th- that it's interesting to know actually. The one thing I would add is that um he's going as the the LB4 in the IDP show best ball drafts. We're up to something like 60-something drafts right now. So we've got some mm-hmm. pretty good data there. Um, LB4 uh, with an ADP of 16.4. That's, that's 26 spots uh, better or higher, if you like, than his teammate uh, Greenlaw, who is going right. as the L- LB13. And I mm-hmm. think that's that's pretty pretty egregious. I'd, I'd be happy with either. I'd be I'd much prefer to wait, uh, what is it, two rounds and get, get Greenlaw. Um, yeah, two plus rounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I'm with you on that. Great player eh, for fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, so without without further ado, who you got at four? Uh, so at number four, I have another linebacker. <laughs> You're starting to see the trend here. Um, I have Jordan Brooks um, from Seattle. Um, he's only 25 years old. I looked up the stats. He's averaging 10.3 tackles per start for his career. Now he's got you know a very short career so far, so it's it's not a lot to go off of. But for that reason, to me, he could have even been higher on this list. Um, he's got all the traits you look for in a kind of a cornerstone linebacker. He's young, he's productive, he's got first round draft pedigree, um, and he's been mentored by Bobby Wagner, who's one of the best in the game. I mentioned that earlier about Ernest Jones. Same same kind of reasoning. Um, the one thing that kind of held, held me back on putting him up higher or making me a, a full believer in him is he had that ACL tear that he suffered. Just months ago, it was week 17 of the 2022 season. And then I read even further, he had swelling in that knee. So even though he sustained that in week 17, he couldn't have the surgery until like almost late January. Um, so that's pretty, pretty late in the season. Um, I think meaningful snaps are probably going to be a long shot early on in 2023. I mean, you're talking midseason at best. And I know that we've seen a lot of examples and ACL injury is almost like a routine. It's like a hangnail in the NFL anymore. All these guys have them and they rebound. Um, but it is a significant injury. Um, and I do wonder, is he going to be the same player when he comes back? You know, you have to have agility when you play linebacker. You have to be able to cut and, you know, react. And anytime a guy has an injury that's a significant injury like that, it's it's a concern. I'm not saying it would cause me to not draft him or to, you know, to dump him from my roster. But kind of bumps him down on my list just ever so slightly, um, enough to keep him down at four. Um, I think he's a great long-term investment. If you can find him at a discount right now, especially due to that injury. Um, but you probably want to look elsewhere if you want to contend for this season. Um, and if your expectations are to get guys that are more for a redraft mindset than a, than a dynasty mindset. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So this is, this is what I'm going to disagree with you on. I, I, I'm not Jordan, Jordan Brooks's biggest fan. Um, okay. So not, not, 
not even factoring in the the injury. I just I think I don't think he's he's that good a player. I know he's been crazy productive. Um, mm-hmm. I know he's you know I know he's young um, with an eye to dynasty. Yeah, maybe maybe he he could qualify for you know being being being. I, I consider putting him in my number ten spot, um, even though I was sort of picking these top ten with sort of redraft in mind in the hope that maybe he can come back at some point and. Um, you know, you've got to assume that he'll he'll wrestle that role back from from Devin Bush in in, in quick mm. order and 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 establish himself again as you know one of those leading tacklers in the league, which he's which he's which he's been uh, close to or at for for some time now. Um, but yeah, I I don't think he can cover. I don't I don't think he can do a lot that many other linebackers can do. So I, I coverage, I think he's really poor in coverage, mm. um, and it's. That's been the case consistently through each of his first two, three years in the league. Mm-hmm. I think um, is he in a contract year as well? Is this is this? I think no, because he would be on the third. Year. Well, no, I'm not sure. I think he's in the third year of his rookie contract, so he should have one okay. more year. But I could be wrong on that. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. I don't. I don't like Brooks all that much at all. Um, That's okay. And, <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I avoid him uh, and have been avoiding him even when he was uh, not injured uh, right. in fantasy for some time. So uh, we've agreed on pretty much everyone to this point. But yeah, Brooks is, is not, You're out on Brooks. Not, not a player. No, I'm out on him. Don't like right. him. No, and uh, I can respect that. I think, you know, part of, I mentioned his tackle numbers and his efficiency. And I think part of that comes from something that we talked about earlier where we talked about Mwusu, which is Seattle has been... Uh, very poor in terms of their their line play for mm-hmm. for some years. So those guys that play that linebacker position up there generally are very high producers because the line is not you know that first wave is not accomplishing their goal of tackling the the, the ball carrier. So those guys are getting through to that second wave, and you know guys like Brooks are capitalizing on that. So now if Seattle improves their line play, perhaps that goes away. Perhaps it's not a function of his talent. It's, it's just you know the scheme and the way that they're deploying their, their defense. And I can respect that, but you know, I'm just going off of what I've seen, you know, yeah. and and I've seen him be productive, but I can certainly respect, you know, you say that, you know, I, I won't disagree with it. He's not good in coverage at all. Um, I'm just, I just don't know how often he's being asked to do that in their, in their, in their scheme. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I worry that at some point it's just going to catch up with him mm-hmm. and I don't want to be, left holding this sort of high draft capital fancy yeah. player that I've taken, you know, like a, like one of the top 10 guys. I, I don't need my linebackers to be, we talked about this earlier on. I don't need them to be really good NFL players. I don't need to right. be like Fred, Fred Warner types. Right. Um, but, but I, I kind of need them to be good enough to know that their, their role is not going to be in jeopardy at some point in the next yep. couple of years. If I'm playing in dynasty or in redraft, certainly with books is concerned, I, I, I want a guy who's going to be playing, uh, you know, most of the year injuries enough of a concern as they are, let alone going into the year with a guy with an injury. Um, right. So I don't I, actually. I should have looked up what his ADP was in those best ball drafts. Actually. Um, okay. Yeah. To see, I you would know, be if curious his, too. If his, if his value has dropped sufficiently to the point where, you know, he, he represents a value, then fair enough. It's all about you know buying buying the dip, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, that's where I'm at with Brooks. Anyway. Okay. Um, fair enough. No, I respect uh, that. Yeah, so um, number four for me, I've gone with uh, a guy you mentioned earlier on, so Ernest Jones. So uh, we covered a lot of points on him earlier mm-hmm. on. Um, you know, he's got a great opportunity, great efficiency last year, may drop off, but his snap share, his snap volume is going to be greater than it was last year. 
health, you know, assuming health. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a lot to, there's a lot to like. Um, but despite, you know, what seems like a, a wave or a, like a tsunami of, of optimism about his, his 2023 outlook. I was kind of surprised to see him only going as the LB20 in those, uh, those, those IDP show best ball drafts I mentioned. Um, two spots behind the likes of Patrick Queen. I, I don't know about you, Jason, but I know which player I would rather have at yeah. that spot. Um, I will take Jones there as well. <laughs> yeah, question. All, yeah. All day, every day. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm not getting as carried away with him as a player as some mm-hmm. are but again like i just mentioned with jordan brooks we don't need them to be to be stellar linebackers we just right. need to play a lot and jones is going to play a ton yeah i think the challenge for me with jones has been i like him quite a bit as, as you do um, mm-hmm. and i mentioned all the reasons earlier uh it, when it comes to actually acquiring him in a league there if you're in a league with 11 other people there's usually one person who's like nuts about him and will go a round or two higher than i'm willing to go um, he very rarely falls to me because he does have that kind of cult following. And there's usually somebody that's very enthusiastic about him and will snatch him up. And I'm kind of willing to let them do that for where I would have to take him in order to, to secure him. But if I happen to be lucky enough to be the most enthusiastic about him <laughs> amongst the other 11, I'm more than happy to, to, to lock him down and, and put him on my roster. It's just, I don't, I don't see that happen very often. Cause as I said, the dynamic is such where somebody's always kind of likes him a little bit more than I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I drafted Jones everywhere and I sold him slightly too early, around about the same time wow. as I sold, sold uh, Jameen Davis too early as well. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, hey, we all make mistakes, right? I hear you. <laughs> but I made, I made so many in such a short period of time, really frustrated <laughs> with that. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm, I'm a big Jones fan this year. And like I, like I mentioned a moment ago, I could have Jones, Warner, and Greenlaw really in any order, as long as they're at, uh, you know, four, five, and six for me. Happy mm-hmm. with uh, happy with any of those guys, really. Yeah. Um, who have you at three? So at three, we're starting to get pretty rich here. Um, I have Aaron Donald from the from the Rams. Um, obviously, for DT required leagues, we talked about that earlier. He's a cornerstone type player in those formats. Um, but even in generic DL, you know, kind of designation leagues, I still love Aaron Donald. And yes, I know he's thirty two years old and he had a down season last year, and I frankly don't care one bit. Um, we're talking about a three-time defensive player of the year. Um, he has never in his career missed the Pro Bowl. I found that pretty interesting, um, including last season, you know, where he was riddled by injury, still made the Pro Bowl. Um, he's, average, he's averaged 11.4 sacks, 17.8 tackles for a loss, 26.3 quarterback hits a, a year over the span of his long career. Um, he's the kind of player that every offensive coordinator that builds their protection plan around when you're going up against the Rams, you want to make sure where Aaron Donald is and how do you, how do you prevent him from, from messing things up? Um, and yet he still shreds double and even triple teams en route to the quarterback. Um, he's probably not got long left in the, in the league, at least at a, as a top performer, but especially if you expect to contend in the immediate term or you're in a redraft mindset, you want Aaron Donald on your roster for sure. Yeah, we're we're on the same page. I I have Donald on my list. I don't have him at three, uh, and I'll talk about him in more detail in a moment. But yeah, I I'm a big fan, um, and I am very forgiving about what we saw last year for mm-hmm. reasons I'll get into. So yeah, I love having I love you having him in your number three spot. Okay, um, my three is uh, Bobby Wagner. Um, now it's one of the hardest decisions I had to make was to to rank him 
at the top of the the linebackers that uh, that I talked about earlier in my four, five, and six spot. Um, but the reason I've gone with Wagner over Jones because I know exactly who Wagner is at this point. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, I'm, I'm fairly certain who Jones is. I know he's going to play a lot. Um, with Warner, great player, doesn't always put it together. With Greenlaw, really good player, you know, starting to put it together. Um, but yeah, Wagner, I know what he is. He's been doing it forever and a day. Age is not on his side, right? He's just turned 33. Um, and his tackling efficiency dropped off with the Rams in 2022. But I think that was largely because, and this was a point that surprised me a little bit, actually. When I went back and looked at the numbers, he blitzed a lot more than I remember when I was watching games. Um certainly more often than he did with the Seahawks over a hundred times last year. Mm. Um, And we we know that those guys that do blitz a lot from the off ball position struggle to put up the same sort of tackling efficiency as those guys that don't blitz often from those positions. So yeah, I'm really excited to see him back on the Seahawks kind of, it kind of just feels like he's gone home, doesn't it? Um, Mm -hmm. And it just feels like the best spot for him for fantasy purposes too. Um, So yeah, playing under a new DC, um, in Seattle, Clint Hurt, and you know, just joined the team last year when Wagner had moved on. Um, but uh, you know, he continued to use two linebackers at a much at a higher a higher rate than the league average again last year. So, in any event, Wagner's going to be the top dog, um, even even after Brooks comes back. Um, the only real worry with with Wagner for me is is when will age when will age ca- catch up to him really? And I think he's probably got a good. I think he's at least got one more year left in him at that top level. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go go for more, maybe two. So I'm trying not to sprain my neck, nodding in agreement with you here, but uh, <laughs> I, I pretty much I'm agreeing with everything you said. I'll just jump ahead because I have Wagner ranked as my number two guy. So that's where we're headed. Um, nice. I guess much like Aaron Donald, I could kind of care less about Bobby Wagner's age. I mean, I agree with everything you said, and it's a concern, something you have to be mindful of. It's kind of blasphemous to say something like that when you talk about Dynasty especially. Um, But the fact of the matter, he's just that good. I mean, he's an eight-time pro bowler. He goes back to Seattle, like you said, you know, after his brief stint in in Los Angeles. He's made in the middle for over a decade. I think he's got basically like a Hall of Fame caliber resume at this point. He's got over 1,500 combined tackles in his career. Um, all that time logged at one of the most brutal positions, he still stayed remarkably healthy. He hasn't missed, you know, entire seasons or even half seasons, you know, a game here or there maybe. But when you look at his, his numbers, he's stayed in the lineup, which is, I, I mentioned earlier, availability is and durability are, are things that don't get talked about nearly as often as they should in, in, in fantasy, but he's going to be there for you. Um, if you use a high draft pick on him, you can count on him being in your lineup. Um, and he's just a, he's a tackle monster and he's going back to a place where he's comfortable and they've got a contending roster in Seattle. You know, they were a playoff team last year. So, you know, you take all those things and you got a guy that's potentially Canton bound one day. I, I mean, you don't have to overthink it. I think Bobby Wagner's <laughs> pretty safe bet. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan, big fan. So, uh, yeah, my number two is, uh, is Donald as we kind of, We've 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 gone in opposite directions there with our two and three, but both uh, both of a similar mindset, I think. So mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, you know, um, the perception of him is probably never been lower, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but and and if, if if now's the time, or if you're interested in buying him, now's the time to make those inquiries, I think, because mm-hmm. yeah, take take advantage of the fact that that perception is pretty low on him right now. But I I I love Donald. I love watching him play. I love him for fantasy. Um, yeah, he's. <laughs> Part of the reason the perception's lower is because, you know, he had, he didn't look quite the same guy 
even before the injury last year, right? I think right. he has him like five, six sacks, which which is still very good uh, in, in the games he played, but that's not quite at that Donald level. Um, but right. also part of the reason I think the perception is a little lower on him is because we're not as desperate for other DTs that are nearly as good anymore. We've got, you know, the Hargraves, the Dexter Lawrences, the Jonathan Allens, the, the, the John Paynes, I guess, as well. I'm missing a forgetting a bunch of names wilkins in uh tackle heavy leads as well mm-hmm. so you you know simmons. we're not as desperate yeah yeah absolutely jeffrey simmons as well um and there's one other as well oh buckner i guess anyway yeah, so yeah oh, we're yeah. not chris chris jones too um, oh yeah 100 you know, we couldn't we couldn't read off this many guys at the position that we'd want in our fantasy teams going back just five years right you know, they'd be like three four and right. then a massive drop off. In fact, there'd be Donald, and then a massive drop off, and then a collection <laughs> right. of others, and then a yep. huge drop off to the rest. And yep. now it just feels like we're a little bit, little bit spoilt for choice. Um, right. So yeah, I, I think that's also playing into this this perception that Donald isn't worth what he was. And yeah, I, I I'm all over him all day long if, in in fantasy if I can get him. I know Josh Josh Raymer on the IDP show as well. He He's a he's a massive fan. Takes him in. I think he's he, he shares his exposure to certain players across all these best ball drafts that he gets involved with. And I think I think Donald's at the top of that list. And I'm I'm right there right there with him on his uh, his, his evaluation of Donald. He's still got it, you know. Yeah. Yep. Quite twelfth amongst 106 interior defensive linemen in pressure rate last year. Mm-hmm. And it's important to know that of the 11 guys listed above him. Donald's finishing rate, so his, his ability to convert pressures into sacks, was the second lowest of the group. So we mm-hmm. know finishing rates uh, vary more than pressure rates do. They're not sticky in the same way as, uh, or not as sticky as, as pressure rates, to steal Tom, Tom Kislingberry's word. Um, <laughs> so in other words, Donald's bring a lot of pressure. He was unlucky mm-hmm. with the sacks before the injury. We know that's going to sort of equalize or normalize out going forward as long as he continues to bring a lot of pressure, which I think he will. So, right. yeah. Um, a bounce back years on the cards, I think. I talked about it on the bounce back show with uh, Matt Record a few weeks back, um, and I'm, you know, I'm here. I'm here for it, um, mm-hmm. and others seem to be too. Um, you know, his, his ADP hasn't dropped as much as I thought it might do when I went to look at it recently. Um, I think he's still going as the DT DT three, um, but yeah, I think you can certainly find some owners out there who who have cooled more on him than uh, than consensus and. Yeah, it's it's worth it's worth making uh, making a few inquiries to see if you might be able to pick him up. Certainly, if you're in win now or playing redraft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I think part of you know I didn't touch on this when I did my overview of him too, but I think part of what's cooled his perceptions with people is not only his his age in terms of his productivity, but his age. You know, if you recall, after the Rams won the Super Bowl, there was some chatter about. Is he going to retire? He talked about potentially retiring if they won the Super Bowl. And then last year, the Rams had such a down year. And I frankly don't have high hopes for, for them to kind of rebound this year. And so I think some people kind of have a fatigue like, is this guy just going to pack it in and say, you know what, I've, I've done everything I can do in the league and I've got a Super Bowl trophy and a ring. And what is left for me to do? I'm just going to walk away and go enjoy my money. And that's nobody wants, especially like in a dynasty mindset, nobody wants to be left holding the bag with that guy that was a star player that just is now gone. And now you've got to cut him from your roster and that you don't want to, you know, redeem any kind of value that's left in that guy before he's, he's not in the game anymore. And I think that's part of maybe some of the depression in his value. Cause people kind of sense like, is this the end? Are we walking the last days of, of Aaron Donald? But when it comes to his performance on the field, I don't have any reservations. I think he can still turn it on and be one of the best in the game. Yeah. That's an excellent point. 
you know, as a as a as a fan, different circumstances, obviously, but as a as a fantasy owner who who built teams around Andrew Luck and Todd Gurley, mm-hmm. like it's, it's certainly one that kind of resonates with me. So, yep. Um, yeah. So number number one, uh, I'm assuming we both have the same guy <laughs> here. It's going to be a pretty pretty big shock if we don't. Right. I I would assume from the absence of him on your previous nine that he's also at your number one, but. We're going to say something that's not going to shock many people, and I'm going to go with Edge, uh, Nick Bosa from the 49ers. Um, I think I'll probably offend you when I say this as a Chargers guy, but I'm going to say he's one of those rare cases in which the sequel is better than the original. Um, you know, Joey Bosa is a, is a stud pass rusher in his own right, but he's got to step it up a little bit if he wants to be regarded in the same kind of class as as his brother Nick. Um, he had that, aside from that season-ending ACL injury that he had in 2020, He's had like about the best start you can possibly have to your career. Um, he had nine sacks and 16 tackles for a loss in 19 in 2019. And he earned defensive rookie of the year honors that year. Um, he rebounded from that aforementioned injury in 2021. He had 15 and a half sacks and he led the league in tackles for a loss with 21. And then last year, kind of refusing to rest on his laurels, he had a league high 18 and a half sacks and he won defensive player of the year. Um, so it kind of makes you wonder what's the encore, you know, what's he got in store for 2023? Because every year he's been in the league, he's kind of stepped up his game to yet another level. Um, so he doesn't have much room to go. <laughs> Once you've been defensive player of the year, like what, what are you going to do to, to up your game even further? But I, if anyone can do it, I think it's him, uh, given his age, his role on that dominant Niners defense. I mean, you could make the argument that he's the top edge rusher in the game today. I mean, depending on your format, you got guys like TJ Watt and Parsons and yeah, Miles Garrett, but he's definitely right there in that class and that tier with those guys. And I, you know, he could be the best of them, frankly. Um, so, with all that being said, I, I mean, how could I not have him as, as the top uh, IDP in the in the MC West? I think it's a no brainer. Yeah, it is a no brainer. That's how I was going to open open my segment here. But yeah, he's an, he's 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 phenomenal, as you say. Just keeps getting better as well and he's already one of the very best at his position uh last season career highs in in pressures and sacks um mm. you know it's, it's it's phenomenal amongst all edge rushers with a minimum of, of 300 uh snaps last year uh, bosa ranked fourth in pressure rate behind parsons at three uh it's an interesting point uh rashan gary at two and uh surprisingly josh josh uche held down that that top spot wow but yeah, I mean, uh, Bosa is is in a cluster for me of you know four, maybe five guys uh, who's at the top of my uh, redraft and dynasty rankings mm-hmm. uh, involved in. I guess I'd, I'd, I'd count Max Crosby, Miles Garrett, and Micah Parsons, and then slightly lower on that list, maybe maybe in the same tier. TJ Watt still. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not concerned. Are you concerned about the holdout at all? I'm 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 really not. Uh, it's going to be a a mammoth contract and it, i guess it takes time to to put these things together probably the biggest contract we've seen ever for a non-qb right i you know it's kind of funny to say but i'm almost kind of encouraged by the holdout because mm-hmm. i don't have to worry that he's going to twist an ankle or get a high ankle sprain or something in some camp somewhere i don't think he needs the camp time to be a dominant player so this time missed i think is almost like a positive in terms of fantasy it may not be viewed that way by the 49ers i'm sure um but I think when you put him on the field, he's he's going to play. And the way that the CBA is kind of structured now, these guys can't afford, you know, getting into regular season games, they're just dropping their own game tracks. And, you know, that, that with a player like that, those, those are expensive game tracks. So I think the contract's coming. I think they're working it out. As you said, when it's it's that high profile and that uh, significant in terms of the financial contributions, 
um, everybody kind of want to make wants to make sure that it's fair and it, and all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. So I'm totally fine with the holdout. I don't expect it to impact anything in terms of regular season play. And like I said, it almost kind of insulates him from any kind of injuries or camp uh, frustrations that you you would have to deal with as a fantasy owner. Yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it. Um, yeah, bottom line is that the 49ers know what they've got and how mm-hmm. important he is to to their success. And um, yeah, they won't they won't they, they surely won't allow him to miss any time. Uh, John Lynch sounded kind of confident about getting something done. I guess yep. that's that's all GMs at this point. But he's he's saying nothing. Right. Before, so yeah, I, I fully expect Bosa to be to be there, ready, and and, and as you say, healthy for the uh, for the season opener and to pick up right where he left off last year. Yep. Uh, just just crazy consistent. I can't remember how many games he had without a sack last year, but it was something like three. That mm-hmm. just just blows my mind. I kind right. of compared I compared his kind of statistical output. I used to compare his, his kind of statistical output to it's sort of averaging a sack every game, pretty much mm-hmm. to. Uh, Olden Smith, but I went back and looked at Olden Smith, and I, I felt almost embarrassed that I'd made that, I'd drawn that comparison. He he wasn't anywhere near near the level of a Bosa. Um, uh-huh. so, certainly on a consistent basis, maybe uh, one 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 phenomenal year, but yeah, even then, still wasn't well, anywhere near Bosa's level. So, yep, number one, it's obvious, but there we go. Right. So, uh, we kind of compiled a, a very short list. We're going to talk about these very briefly. The guys that almost made the list so i don't know if any listeners if you disagree with what we're saying here we'd love to hear it let us know why we're wrong but we'll tell you first we'll kind of uh you know um give you our guys who almost made the list and then hopefully uh hopefully satisfy some of those uh, some of those shouts from the back uh, about why x player wasn't included would you like who to toggle you- back and forth yeah why not okay so the top of my honorable mentions list if you will I have uh, Zayvon Collins, a guy that we mentioned earlier from from the Cardinals. Um, he's a former former first round selection. He took a big leap in 2022. He had a hundred combined tackles. He had 11 tackles for loss, um, and he was playing that off the ball role with the Cardinals. Um, now changes afoot out there in the desert. Um, he's got a new head coach, which we talked about, and they're bringing over a new scheme. Reports out of camp are suggesting that he's going to be used primarily as an edge rusher. I know that you're um, dubious to to that, as at least as a full time role. But what I do like about that is it kind of opens up his dual eligibility in, in, in platforms like Sleeper. So you can play him in a defensive line role. You can play him in a linebacker role. Um, so that versatility is obviously useful. Um, I think he's going to be involved, you know, from the edge, maybe not full time, but in some capacity. And that, that gives him the potential for splash plays and sacks and things of that nature. So if your scoring format kind of awards that you, you want to be on top of that. And but the transition to that new position does kind of give me some pause. Um, I don't think he's uh, he's enough to be in the top 10 for that for the, from that division. But I do think he's a player worth kind of keeping your eye on. Yeah, I mean, we're, he- we're hearing positive things about him as, a, as an edge rusher and how versatile he is. You know, it's an mm-hmm. overused word. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I just I didn't see enough. He hasn't rushed the passer that often right. uh, in the NFL, um, like less than 20 times. I had the number in front of me earlier on, but yes, it's very little. And he really didn't, it's not like, as I say, like not like a Hassan Reddick situation where, you know, he's got that history as a college player of being this, uh, this, right. this really productive edge rusher either. It's, it's, right. it's, it worries me more than it excites me him moving to the edge. Uh, Cause I kind mm-hmm. of thought he'd have the, he'd have the, the hold on that, uh, on the off ball role. 
um, even after White joins. So yeah, you know, we've seen other guys do it, like the you know the Frankie Louvus, the Caden Ellis. They've been mm-hmm. really valuable in fantasy, but I think they're the they're the exception. I think um, I'm not expecting not expecting massive things out of Collins, but he is on my almost made it list too. Okay. So yeah, my next guy is. Uh, and he made it onto yours at the back end there, is, is Hafanga. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason he didn't make it, I mentioned earlier on, he, he started really well, kind of tailed off a little bit towards the end of the year. Wouldn't be at all surprised um, to see him uh, be a safety one this year. That said, um, you know, like I said before, there's this very small group of, of really uh, guys that I really trust in the position. Beyond that, it's as long as, as long as players are playing every snap, Ideally, lean towards guys who are playing more box snaps, but really, mm. it's a massive flat tier of guys um, who I don't really value any higher than the, than the next guy on that list. So, yeah, I think is on my almost made list for that reason. Gotcha. Well, and I my, I only had two of my honorable mention, and my second mm-hmm. is also a defensive back, and it's Jamal Adams out of Seattle. Um, mm-hmm. I would say kind of like the the mighty have fallen a little bit. I mean, a couple of years ago, Adams was routinely ranked as, you know, top three uh, safety or defensive back. Um, but he's had these injuries. You know, he's not played more than 12 games in a season since he was traded to the Seahawks, which I found kind of shocking. Um, and last year, he missed almost the entire season after he sustained a week one uh, quad injury against the Broncos. Um, but that said, he's still a very dynamic player. I think he's a high value IDP. Again, he's the, he's the type of guy that, you know, we talked about Brooks earlier. He, he's also got depressed value. So if you can get him for, for cheap, he's the type of guy you want to look into. Um, he did have 115 combined tackles in his sophomore season with the Jets. And then he also had nine and a half sacks from a D, DB position in his first year with, with the Seahawks when, after he was traded. So he's shown these flashes where he can be a very dynamic player and a very productive player. He just hasn't done it consistently enough to, for me to warrant ranking him in my top 10. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of out on on Adams for the reasons you you mentioned there. Just uh, haven't haven't really seen it. That that, that mm-hmm. high sack year, his finishing rate was crazy high. Mm-hmm. Never expected that to continue, and it feels like a long time since those um, since those 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 days with the uh, with the Jets. I, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of out on him. I thought about him, but I didn't mention him in my in my almost list. For okay. all the concerns that you that you raised yep. there, um, the next guy might almost made a list with uh, was Isaiah Simmons. Um, so we he's not he's not the player we hoped he could become, um, and I've been struggling with that for some time because I was really <laughs> excited about him coming out of the draft. But if I if I if I put that to one side for a minute, um, you know, and the fact that he's no longer a cheat code now that most fantasy formats list him as a as the DB that he now is. Um, if I put all that to one side, I, I, he's actually quite a productive DB in, in fantasy. Um, his tackle efficiency was top five at the position, weighed in with a bunch of big plays, sacks, uh, you know, forced fumbles, interceptions. Uh, as a DB in fantasy, ignoring the fact that he should have been this like dynamic, stellar off-ball linebacker, um, he's, 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 he's got some value. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I... Again, don't like him as a player, but if they continue to pedal him out in that slot DB role, um, continues to play sort of 800 or more snaps a year, I don't think there's really anyone challenging him for that position on that on that roster. No, they drafted a, a corner who's on in, uh, NFI. I forget who it was. I forget his name. They drafted him in the third round. I don't really think there's anyone challenging Simmons for that role. So, mm. yeah, I don't think it's going to continue. And like I say, 
if you if you are playing in a CB required league, or even if you're just uh, a deep roster with uh, with DBs, um, then yeah, he's 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 worth a dart throw. I think he's 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 pretty all right in that role. Not a great player, but can be productive in fantasy. Right. I it's interesting. I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts, but I kind of think Simmons could be kind of that Hassan Reddick type of guy. Not in terms of the position that they play, but I think Arizona struggled to figure out how to use Reddick when they drafted yeah. him. And he finally went to Carolina and they like unlocked him and then found out, okay, he's a dominant pass rusher. Let's use him in that capacity. Let's make sure that we feature what he's good at. I feel like Simmons, after he gets out of his rookie deal, and if he does leave Arizona, could be that kind of guy. I'm not going to say he's going to be a star, but he could be kind of unlocked by going to another organization that might find a usage pattern for him that's more conducive to to his natural talents. It seems like Arizona, since the day that they took him, struggled to figure out what to do with him. They get it's funny because these teams get so excited about versatility and the the fact that these guys can fill so many roles, but then they don't define what their role is going to be. And you look at guys like Simmons, he's played slot snaps, he's played snaps at safety, he's played slots or uh, snaps at linebacker. He's all over the field, and it's like I think that's you know they fall in love with that versatility, but that's very uh, damaging for a player in terms of what's my role in this defense. I'm all over the field. They can't get any kind of consistency or any kind of uh, feel for what their contributions are supposed to be. And I kind of see Simmons as that type of guy that could have a resurgence if he lands in a spot where they give him a more consistent uh, idea of his, his role and his usage. Yeah, it's kind of exciting to to wonder. And I had, I had exactly the same conversation about about Simmons with a friend of mine going back a couple of weeks actually about whether or not that change of change mm-hmm. scenery because he's coming up on his fourth year now, right? Um, so you know, uh, it's fair to wonder whether or not he can do a lot more on a different team in a different scheme, um, right? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I wouldn't put any money on it, but I also no wouldn't, wouldn't bet against it either, right? Um, it's one of those. I'm, I guess I'm always I'd looking. Like I'm always looking for those guys that are, you can get for cheap that might have a, a resurgence. And I think he, especially if he does stay in this full-time defensive back role this year, mm-hmm. I think you're probably looking at a very cheap investment in terms of by the end of this year, especially if he doesn't necessarily play well in that capacity, somebody's probably going to flip him to you for next to nothing. And if he got, if he does you know, finish out this year and he's on his rookie deal and he, and he does land in a more lucrative spot or in a place where their, the usage is different, you could get, you know, you could really capitalize on that uh, that downturn or that downswing. And if he if it doesn't, you really didn't have much invested in him in the first place. So, who cares? Yeah, you make a good point. I like uh, I like the way you're thinking. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, and on that on that on that point, I might do exactly what you're suggesting and throw out a couple of uh, cheap offers towards the back end of the year and just see, yeah. see what happens. Exactly. Um, so the only other guy on my almost made it list, I I felt a bit. Uh, I felt a bit wrong not having, not not naming any cornerbacks at all. Um, so yeah, I, I've I've gone with uh, Tariq Woolen. He was never going to make it onto the list. I just wanted to mention a cornerback, uh, <laughs> and I was really impressed with uh, with what he did last year. Uh, one of the best value picks in the 2022 draft, I think, taken in the in the fifth. Um, you know, he was uh, he was great in in coverage. Six six interceptions, nine pass breakups. 61 combined tackles, but he did leave a, a bunch of tackles on the field, missed uh, nearly 20% of uh, his tackle attempts, um, which which is pretty damn poor. And that's also a problem that followed him from uh, from college. So 
uh, where he missed, I think he missed something like a quarter of all of his tackles in three wow. years there. So you've got to you've got to wonder whether that's going to be a problem that's going to continue. Um, that's not the reason he's not on the list. He's not on the list because, for the most part, he's he's a cornerback. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I wanted to mention Woolen because I kind of like him, and I guess I should call him Reek rather than Tariq, shouldn't I? So, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's the end of my almost made it list. So. Moving swiftly on to the rookies, who who do you who do you like? I found this. Um, we talked a little bit about this pre-show, but this division it's, it's pretty it's pretty thin on the ground in terms of rookies that we think can make an impact early. Right. So I have I have three guys kind of highlighted or called out that I wanted to mention. One one it's funny you just brought up the cornerbacks. I have his his league or his uh, teammate uh, Devin Witherspoon. You know when you talk about Tariq Woolen. Um, if you're in a quarterback cornerback, excuse me, required league, I think he's a good name to target. Um, he's got top five draft capital. He they clearly have big plans for him. Um, he's been utilized both as a nickel corner and on the outside during these like initial days of camp, which tells you they're going to really draw on his versatility. And that means he's going to be on the field quite a bit. You know, that if he, if they switch to a nickel set, it's not like he's going to be coming out in exchange for somebody else. It seems like he's got that full-time role locked down, which I think is encouraging. Um, and I do expect, you know, it's just, uh, how, you know, how many snaps he logs is directly correlated to how productive he's going to be for me. So, um, that's one thing that I consider when I'm looking at corners and, uh, I think he's, he's definitely a name that you want to keep. You can rely on that old, uh, rookie cornerbacks kind of get beat up a little bit and are generally more productive. I don't know that that necessarily holds true in terms of statistics, but, um, just generally speaking, I think he's got a, a significant role in that defense, and I do think um, he's a player that could kind of emulate that uh, Woolen's trajectory in terms of scoring and uh, you know breakout like that he experienced last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he doesn't lead the division amongst all rookies in snaps, it'll be a be a, be a bit of a surprise, I think. Right. Um, like you say, he's been playing in that nickel role. Colby Bryant had that role last year, had mm-hmm. uh, around 800 snaps. If, if Witherspoon sees that, that sort of volume, that would be, um, that would be, uh, that'd be really nice. Um, mm-hmm. And I would, I wouldn't rule out the possibility that uh, I don't think people like Michael Jackson are replaceable at the outside either. So I think, um, right. you know, I think Woolen and, and Witherspoon on the outside might be quite, a, quite a tasty idea. Um, yeah. But, We'll wait and see. Don't mind him playing in the nickel at all. In fact, that's really mm-hmm. good for fantasy in uh, in some respects. So yeah, Witherspoon's right. right up there, I think. Um, yep. another, another guy I kind of like, or I like what I'm seeing and hearing, is uh, Jair Brown at the uh, 49ers. And I was a little late to the table, a little late to catch on with uh, with him. Uh, missed a bunch of news and didn't see it until about a week later, which frustrated me because I missed him on, on waivers in some of my deeper uh, IDP leagues. But yeah, it's really encouraging to hear teammates and uh, sort of beat writers pouring, pouring praise on what they're seeing from him. Um, you know, we're hearing all of the, this, this similar sort of descriptions. He's like, you know, looks like he's been in the league forever. He looks like a man mm-hmm. amongst boys or that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, Steve Wilkes is there. And this is one of the things I like the most about, uh, about Brown. Steve Wilkes there is the new H- head coach and he, he was pounding the table for, uh, for Brown in the draft, um, going to, going so far as to call him something like that's my dude, or that's my dude right there. Um, and his specialism is in coaching secondaries. So right. Yeah, the fact that he advocated for Brown, uh, you know, it's kind of exciting to me. Obviously, I think Hafanga's role is safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gibson, I can't can't say the same about. So no, 
kind of excited to see what Brown can do. And obviously, Jimmy Ward moved on as well uh, mm-hmm. and played in the played in the nickel DB roles last year. So, yeah, I think I think I don't know if Brown will play a lot to start, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if he did, and I, I'd be actually surprised if he didn't play a lot um, down the stretch. They didn't get increasing so snap volume um, yep. over the course of the season. So, yeah, he's one that I'm definitely keeping my eye on. Uh, kind of kind of interested in seeing what plays out there. Yep, I agree. I totally agree. Um, um, my next guy here on my rookies list was uh, B.J. Ojolari going to the Cardinals. Um, I think he's maybe my favorite IDP rookie to land in the NFC West in terms of his landing spot, just mm-hmm. because Arizona is so... Do- we talked about uh, the the transition of Zayvon Collins to the edge out there. They're they're doing that, I think, because they're so desperate for some somebody to contribute from the edge. They have no edge presence there whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Ojolari is a guy that he had more than a half a sack a game at LSU, which is a powerhouse program. They're not playing, you know, small schools. They're playing, playing you know, big competition there. Um, I think he joins, I said, he's joining the Arizona defense, which is in big need of pass rushers. They were 23 in the NFL last year in terms of sack productivity um they had uh 36 and 12 and a half of those came from jj watt who's now retired so that's that's scary territory they definitely need somebody to step up and be productive as a pass rusher there um i think bj ojalari is as good as anybody else that they've got there my only reservation i think right now with him is he's starting camp on pup because he had a some sort of cleanup procedure with his knee i guess earlier in the offseason that's a lingering college injury um, I think they're just being cautious. I think he's going to be ready for the regular season from everything that I've read. That said, he's a rookie and he's missing valuable snaps in training camp. And so, you know, you can do mental reps. You can be in the meeting room. You can kind of learn your playbook. But until you get out there and you see the speed of the NFL and you kind of size up what the competition's like and compare it to what your college experience has been, I think he might kind of struggle. He might be a slow starter because he's missing these valuable snaps during during camp. I don't worry as much. You know, we talked about Bosa not miss, not not being there for camp, and I, I said I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. But he's an established vet. When you're talking about a rookie, I kind of have a vastly different perception of how valuable those snaps are and how important, how they translate to, like, kind of immediate production. And I think because Ojolari is missing these important snaps, I think that he may kind of get out of the block slow. But I think eventually I, I really like his uh, his upside in, in Arizona. Yeah, you've, you've again, you've hit the nail on the head there. Um, there's a, they got a bunch of guys there, all of whom kind of low key interested in. Um, in you know, they got like four four guys, I think, that are, that are sort of notable names. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in Cameron Thomas and mm-hmm. MyJ my Sanders, both you know third round picks, both showed a little something last year, mm-hmm. but not enough for me to get too excited about them. I was more excited about the opportunity. Um, and then Audrey came along. Second round pick, obviously slightly slightly higher draft capital. Like you say, I think starting slowly is to be expected, but um, be interesting to see how that unfolds over the course of the season. Yeah. I think, um, yep. uh, yeah, yeah. The, the competition doesn't worry me. Mm-hmm. the The amount of people who are there actually more the, the amount of bodies that are there actually worries me rather than the talent. I suppose. Right. I do expect uh, them to be a high rotation because they're carrying that same scheme over from the from the Eagles, so I'm familiar with it. And they yeah. do rotate their edges quite a bit to keep them fresh as the game goes on. So guys like you just mentioned, like Sanders and, and Thomas, they're going to get their snaps. And it, it may be a situation, again, where 
from an NFL standpoint, they're very happy with that rotation, but no one really ends up getting enough of a snap count to be statistically significant for fantasy. Yeah, yeah, true. They might cannibalize each other a bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, as you pointed out, and as I wrote about in the IDP show draft kit, um, you know, JJ Watt's gone. And also, mm-hmm. um, who's the other guy? The older guy. Uh, Golden. Marcus Golden's oh, right, gone. Right. So yep. That's like, what, 1,500 snaps from last year. Uh-huh. Uh, they've got to go somewhere. So, right. um, yeah, there's, there's, there's opportunities there. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other rookies I wanted to mention was, uh, and I'll, I'm going to mention two in one here because I think Go ahead. I actually 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 view them fairly similarly. So Byron Young and and Derek Hall. Um, so okay. both sort of very physical players, um, both to, to varying degrees, but capable of playing the run. And that seems to be their strength coming out. Um, I like Young's opportunity more in the sense that there's nothing really on that roster. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Michael, Michael Hecht has, has generated some low key interest. Um, kind of among amongst the sort of the IDP enthusiasts in the deepest of leagues, but we didn't see much of him last year. Um, so yeah, young, I don't think he's, don't think he's going to be a, a phenomenal pass rusher. Uh, certainly not straight out of the gate. Um, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be stupid, but yeah, I'm kind of concerned about him as a pass rusher going forward as well, but I like his opportunity. Hall, similar kind of player for me as well, you know, very physical, very stout, can he become the, 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 that, that pass rusher at the next level enough to sort of justify playing as enough snaps to keep him in there? I don't know. Um, and he has more competition, obviously, there. There's, a, there's that rotation that I talked about earlier on behind the guy, the only guy who doesn't rotate a lot, and Wosu, there's, they've got Darrell Taylor, Boye Mafe. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see him having a, a sizable role uh, in his rookie year. Um, might have to play the waiting game. Yep. What's your I, thoughts on those two? You got any? Um... I, I would echo both your your sentiments on both of them. I do find them very similar. I do think that mm-hmm. they both kind of walk into landing spots where there's a, a definite need for edge rushers in, in both of those environments, and it's just going to be a matter of you know how quickly they can acclimate and whether they can establish themselves enough to be uh, more heavily featured in this in the pass rush rotation that they can be kind of significant for fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, Jason, that's uh, that's a wrap. It's been it's been a lot of fun delving into the uh, the NFC West IDPs with you. Thanks for thanks so much for joining me. It's been a it's been a real pleasure. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'd love to do it anytime. And uh, before we do wrap things up, tell our please tell our listeners where they can find your work and feel free to share any cool sort of projects or series that you're going to be working on in the season ahead. Okay, great. Um, I'm a senior writer over at uh, Dynasty Nerds. Um, you can find my content primarily there. I've written content. Um, I do guest appearances on podcasts, as you see right now, but uh, my primary content is uh, out of Dynasty Nerds. So look for that there. Um, I do actually have this week an overview of the Eagles uh, offensive uh, skill position players coming out. So um, we have our team team previews series going on right now, and I'm I'm for some reason just got selected to do the Eagles. Uh, <laughs> I guess I was just, no, I'm kidding. I picked them and I'm excited to, to do that contribution. So um, you can look for that article to be coming out in the, in the coming week. And uh, you know, I'll, we'll have you covered with training camp coverage and all that type of stuff that you're looking for in your, in the summertime. So, um, and also you can find me at spide 78 on Twitter. If you have questions, start sit stuff as we get into the season or roster cut down questions, I love helping people out. So, you know, the same type of uh, 
content that we just shared for the last hour and a half. If you if you have further questions about my opinions on the NFC West or anything you uh, want clarification on, please feel free to reach out. I love interacting with with people, and it's kind of my job to help you. So I can't do that if I don't hear from you. So please please reach out. Love it. Love to hear it. Yeah, go go follow Jason and support his work. He's uh, truly one of the nicest guys in fantasy and a, and a great IDP mind to boot. So yeah, thanks to listeners. Thanks to our listeners for listening. We hope you found it useful and, and interesting. Um, if you aren't already a subscriber, shame on you. I demand you head over to the idpshow.com and subscribe right away. Um, Okay, maybe I'll dial that back just a little bit. Um, but I am serious about the value of what we bring. Um, you know, $5 a month gives you articles, rankings, the draft kit, the ADP I've been talking about here, and more. That's it. Bye for now. This was the IDP After Show. <laughs>